Hello, it's Billy Brewer, and welcome to Clubhouse Conversation. Every summer in Kansas City, 25 men have one simple mission, to win. Starting pitchers, corner power hitters, middle relievers, speedy gloves up the middle, closers, utility infielders, backup catchers, and they're each remembered here. From 1969 to last year, all Royals careers have been preserved with the most comprehensive collection of facts, memories, and stories in existence. Welcome to Clubhouse Conversation. And hello, glad you are along for another edition of Clubhouse Conversation. It's Davo, and this is the place where we catch up with all your favorite current and former Royals players. And we do it every week year-round. A former Royal joins us for a 40-minute to one-hour-ish chat right here on Clubhouse Conversation. We talk about all the times, going back to childhood through the big leagues and especially focusing on said player's time in Kansas City. And today that said player is Billy Brewer, who pitched for the Royals from 1993 to 1995. Had some really nice seasons here in KC, did Billy Brewer. Appeared in 144 games overall. And it's quite the coup that Herc Robinson got in Billy Brewer, both when the Royals got him and when they traded him. Now, the Royals took Billy Brewer very unexpectedly, both to him and the rest of the baseball world. They got him in the Rule 5 draft. It was a real astute pick up by the Royals. We'll find out why and how coming up here in just a few minutes. But Casey got him and he was great for the Royals in their bullpen, especially during 1993 and 1994. And then Herc Robinson was able to trade Billy Brewer for Jose Offerman, who gave the Royals several good years at second base. So it worked out great for the Royals and Herc Robinson. Billy Brewer gave the Royals some great years and then he also got them Jose Offerman. Now, Billy spent parts of seven years overall at the big league level with the Royals, Yankees, Athletics, and Phillies. A guy who I'm very excited to talk to, a guy that I have great memories of watching pitch out of that Royals bullpen, setting up Monty, him and guys like Rusty Meacham coming out of that Royals bullpen. And he joins us now on Clubhouse Conversation from his home in Texas. Billy, first of all, thanks so much. It's an honor to have you on the show. And second of all, how's everything going with you here in 2015? Going pretty well. Um, you know, just living in Waco, Texas and, uh, enjoying the good weather we have in Texas right now and taking it easy. Yeah. You're still involved with baseball too in 2015. So tell us more about the Waco storm and then what you're up to down there. Well, um, Waco storms is a select baseball organization and, uh, it's kind of like the Mac and sites that's, uh, in Kansas city. And, you know, what Brian McRae does there in Kansas city, we, we have, uh, around 20 teams in our organization. Um, Todd Haney, a former uh, professional baseball player and our partners. And, you know, we just, uh, we help kids get to college. Been doing it for about 10 years. Um, we've helped, helped over 200 kids get college scholarships and had some move on to professional baseball. And, and I pretty much, it's pretty much a year round job down here because the weather's so good. Yeah. And so much baseball down there too. Who are some of the guys that have gone pro that you've worked with? Uh, well, Garrett Matlich is our most recent one, and he's in the Tigers organization. Um, also have a, a kid named Cody Lovejoy um, that uh, was an outfielder. Um, he went with uh, Tampa Bay. Had um, uh, Todd Glazeman. Um, he's also an outfielder with Tampa Bay. And um, one other kid, uh, Dylan Newman, ended up be- being a, uh, a pitcher. And I think i believe he was drafted by the mets we got so, a few kids yeah we got to get a royals guy down there one of these days right yeah you know i i, I push them you know i just uh the royals have a lot of good young arms man it's gonna be hard for the kid any, any drafted right there yeah so yeah that's true that's true so okay now speaking of the royals you know last couple of years world series last year lost in game seven they win it this year i mean is that are you pretty proud are you pretty excited to watch them during the postseason you know, um, the Royals, they've just, it's, it's my number one team. I mean, even above the Rangers and the Astros, I grew up a Rangers fan, but, you know, the Royals will always very, be very dear to me, my first big league team. And, and I root, I root hard for them. And, you know, all, all my boys that play for me, they know how much I love the Royals and they're all rooting for them. And, you know, we, we go out and have team parties and, you know, we, we watch them through the playoffs. It was fun. It was a lot of fun watching those guys and, have a lot of respect for that organization and 
the opportunity they gave me. But you know, watching those guys, you know, in the playoffs, you know, I guess the year before last. Now they they lost in Game Seven. It it probably hurt me you know, with the Royals fans just as much as it hurt the players. It was just they were just so close, and to you know come back and and, and get back to that position again is just phenomenal for them. Uh, we you know all of us were so proud of them, and I know the old players that played there. Just so proud of those guys and the organization. It's so just the way they did it too, right? Seeing them come from behind by two runs or more seven times in the same playoffs—it's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, you know, perseverance is huge, and you know, like I said, they're young, um, they're vibrant, they're they're excited, they're excited kids playing a, a grown man's game, and they just they they had what you need, and that's you know, they never quit. They just never quit. They never gave up. They they knew they were never out of the game. And and that was just fun to watch. Absolutely. Have you been back here at all since your playing days? You know, I have not. Um, the last time I was in Kansas City would have been 2000, I believe. Um, when I when I was, uh, you know, I, I tried to come back to Kansas City to play, and uh, you know, I came down for that mini camp that they had in the winter, um, and spent some time with Jeff Montgomery down there, and. And uh, that, but that's the last time I've been in Kansas City. Man, we gotta get you back and see the renovations and everything, man. You'll you'll love it. The, the park is so nice now. Not that not that it wasn't before, but yeah. Well, no, it was it was beautiful before. But I I, I promise you, I, I've heard you know, like I said, I've talked to Brian McRae, you know, quite a few times. I've seen him during the during the season, and and uh, you know, I called I called B Mac at the last second. I believe it was not this past World Series, but the World Series before, and I was like. Dude, you got to get me a ticket, and I'll fly up. And of course, he didn't, which I can't. I can understand. <laughs> Probably had everybody asking him for him. So yeah, yeah. Well, one of these days we'll get you back. So, and speaking of back, yeah. let, let's go way back in the day. So, you ready to go back? Starting with Spring Hill High School. Oh my goodness, that is way back, isn't it? Yeah, yeah let's do it. So, Longview, Texas, Spring Hill High School. So, you were all state twice in baseball. Was baseball yeah. your number one sport? Always your favorite sport? Always your best sport growing up? No, actually, uh, basketball was my my favorite sport growing up. Um, it was uh, I just always tell everybody that I was uh, a little too short to play uh, basketball, even though I could have gone on to play college basketball. Um, it was it was my favorite sport. You know, it's, basketball is you know a lot of action, a lot of stuff, but you know baseball is where I knew that I could you know potentially make a mark and, and get a a good college scholarship and things of that nature. But, no, I love basketball. Now, who was your MLB team growing up then? Were you a Rangers-Astros guy, or who was it? No, I was a Ranger. I was a Ranger fan growing up. Good old Nolan Ryan and those guys? Oh, gosh, yes. You know, I mean, well, actually, you know, Nolan, I don't think Nolan was there until I was in college. I don't remember, honestly. Yeah, that sounds about right. But, but, uh, you know, I mean, I was growing up in, uh, you know, Texas. You're either, a, especially in my part, of Texas. You're probably a Ranger fan, and you know, it was it's kind of funny when I was a when I was a real young kid. I loved the Yankees. You know, for some reason, I don't know why. When I was just a kid, that quickly changed, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't take long. <laughs> no, 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 not at all, not at all. So you ended up at Dallas Baptist University then. So it's an NAIA school at that time. Uh, did you kind of did you have a chip on your shoulder at all? I mean, so out of high school, you didn't get a whole bunch of D one interest. I mean, did you have a chip in your shoulder, or, or did you have no idea how good you were at that time? Well, you know, coming out of coming out of high school, I really wasn't that good, honestly. I mean, I was small, skinny kid. I was five nine, one hundred forty pounds when I graduated high school. I, do, I was a late bloomer and. And my dream was to go pitch at UT, um, you know. And uh, my dad was, uh, my stepdad, excuse me, was a a big Aggie fan, and and so he was the reason that I even got, you know, recruited in college at all, and went to some of these college camps. You know, it, the recruiting back then wasn't like it is now. You know, it's just, it was a total, totally different, you know, time and and uh, the way they did things. And so, you know, I went to. Um, you know, all these camps and stuff. Well, my dad got A&M to come in and watch me pitch, and Mark Johnson was the coach at that time. You know, he told my dad, he goes, he'll never be a good college pitcher. And so 
so the first my my initial big league game with the Royals, my dad sent him the clip and the video of me pitching, <laughs> and uh, it was kind of it was kind of good to to go back and say, you know, you just never know, you just I mean, just never count a kid out, you never tell them they can't, you know, type thing. So you know, if there was a chip, you know, I guess the chip on my shoulder would have been that you know people would tell me, I you can't, you're not going to, you know, it was one of those deals. So that was the chip I had, I guess. Yeah. And well, and you guys had great years there. So two-time All-American, you were personally, and then three College World Series appearances there. You threw two no-hitters as well. So you, you, your times at Dallas Baptist, what sticks out about those years? i tell you what, uh, the one thing is, is us being an NAI school, um, my coach Jim Hart was just an unbelievable recruiter. He would take the guys that were cast-offs, that – you know, the, the D1s overlooked, the Texas, the Techs, the TCUs. They would overlook us, and he would take those guys, and we could play. And we would go beat those teams. You know, we would go compete. With, that, that was our schedule. You know, we didn't just go play against, you know, little schools or, you know, other, other NIA schools only. I mean, there's some good baseball in NIA baseball. And, you know, that was probably the, the – the, some of the best memories I had was, you know, pitching at Fishbalk against Texas or, you know, throwing a one-hitter against Baylor University or, you know, things things like that are, are the, the the memories because you're playing against those big teams that overlooked you, and then you go beat them. And, and that was that was an awful lot of fun. I'm sure. And then, so the Expos eventually drafted you after your final year, but going back, uh, Cleveland took you in the 26th round of 1989. Was it an easy decision to bypass that offer from Cleveland and go back to school? Well, that's kind of a funny story. Uh, you know, my, my, my grandparents were a big part of my life. Um, my grandmother and my grandfather. Um, my grandfather's deceased now. My grandmother's still alive. But they were a huge part of my family. My huge part of my life. Well, and, and when that happened, you know, I was seriously talking to my family about going on and pursuing my professional career, and um, you know, and my grandfather said, you know, whatever they offer you, I'll double it if you'll stay in school. <laughs> and uh, I said, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, he goes, I definitely, I'll do that. And I said, okay. Well, they offered me a $25,000 signing bonus, and then my senior year of school, which would have equated to about $60,000 at Dallas Baptist at that time. So <laughs> I told my grandfather, I said, well, I guess I'm going to stay. You're going to owe me 120000 He goes, well, he goes, he goes, maybe why don't you just stay for the, you know, for the experience and, and go through your senior year and get your degree. <laughs> he kind of backtracked a little bit when I found out it was going to be, you know, it was, it was a tough decision. It really was. But you know what? I love my college experience. I love my coach. I love my teammates. And so going back really wasn't that hard. And I really felt like that I would get the opportunity after my senior year to go on. So it was it was, it was a good choice for me. That's, that's a great story. That's pretty funny. Uh, the Expos take you then uh, after 1990, 28th round. So, you know, signing that first deal, going to the Expos organization, how, how exciting was that for you? No, it was – it was it was really exciting, you know, getting on that getting on that plane and, and heading out with some other players and us talking about, you know, getting ready to. No, nobody knew what to expect. We didn't have any idea. And you know, when you get drafted as a professional baseball player, I mean, you're thinking about it's going to all be like the big leagues. You know, you don't you don't expect to go into a locker room with, you know, 150 people. And your lockers are, you know, two foot wide. You're sharing space with certain certain people, or sharing lockers, and you know it's tight quarters. And you go out to, you know, these minor leagues. You just don't, you just don't know that. You're thinking, I'm going right to the, I'm going right to the, you know, big league stadium. We're going to get to work. Yeah, that's what you think. And then reality kind of hits you in the face. You're like, oh crap. And just it's just a shock to your system. And uh, you know, I almost quit twice. Almost, almost shut it down. And, uh, John Bowles, um, I owe him my career. Um, he taught me out of, out of shutting it down twice when I was, I could have got homesick. 
You know, I mean, I, I got literally, you know, I was miserable. <laughs> and it just wasn't the life I thought it was going to be. And, you know, I almost shut it down twice, and he wouldn't let me. He said, no, you're not. Take the day off, reflect, come back, let's talk. He's a, he's a, he's a super good man. Was that was that during like Jamestown and Harrisburg and Palm Beach or West Palm Beach? When was that? At what point did you almost walk away? Actually, um, the first spring training would have been. I went. I went and played in, in Jamestown, New York, and everything was fine then. And then I went back, and I uh, the next spring training. You know, when I got there, I was there for about two weeks, and I'm like, man, I don't want to do this anymore. And and I went in, and you know, I talked to talked to John and, and the coaching staff, and they said, you know, told me, you know, a lot of guys go through this stuff, and you know, you're 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 not a special, you know, you're not a special occasion. You know, you're every, a lot of guys do this. He said, just take the day off, get your mind off of baseball for just a day, come back, let's talk. So I did, came back, talked to a couple of buddies. They were telling me I was an idiot if I quit, that had a real opportunity and all this. And so I stuck with it. And then I hurt my elbow for the first time, and it was just bone chips. It wasn't a big deal. But at that time, I thought, man. And, and so all these doubts cross your mind and start coming through your, your system. So it was really just that first spring training. And then after that, I was on my way, so it was all right. What for somebody listening who doesn't know who John Bowles is? Talk more about him. John Bowles, um, at, at that time, he was the director of the whole minor league system for the Montreal Expos when they were Montreal Expos. Um, you know, he ran the entire show. I mean, he he over he oversaw the whole thing. Um, he was the man, so to speak, for the Expos at that level. Okay, that makes sense. And then, so going back to Jamestown, 1990 New York Penn League, you had a 2.93 ERA, struck out 37 in 27 and two thirds. So, uh, one guy I wanted to ask you about another future role you pitched with that year. Uh, what do you remember about a young Chris Haney? Chris Haney and I were really good friends. Um, you know, he was uh, he was a good friend of mine. We had uh, we spent a lot of time together and played golf together. Um, you know, hung out together. Uh, the one thing I remember about Chris that was was so funny is, you know, he was fearless. I mean, he he really he had a he had a great mentality to be a pitcher. You know, he he didn't nothing got to him. Nothing you know, nothing bothered him. You could never tell anything. He just was out there getting it done, and that probably came from his dad, which was an ex professional ball player too which would probably helped him you know kind of mentor him you know on the way up but chris was a good guy um and good pitcher too yeah had some real good years here so 1991 rockford illinois a 198 era for you 43 case and 41 innings and then miguel bautista was there with you pitch for the royals later and then same thing next year 1992 you were high a west palm beach and double a harrisburg 302 era that year. So before we talk about that Rule 5 draft, going back before that, did you feel like at that time, so think back to where you were like at you know, West Palm Beach, Harrisburg, you know, the end of the year comes, did you feel like you were a prospect at all, and did you have any clue at all that you were on the Rule 5 radar? You know, I did not. I didn't even know what Rule 5 was. Um, <laughs> and going back, you know, when I, when I, went, when I left A-ball um, and went to double-A, I struggled. I was, I was, I was, they already wanted me to go pitch in, uh, the Mexican league. Um, I was supposed to go, I was supposed to go, I believe it was, uh, Mazalan. Does that sound right? Yeah. Uh-huh. I believe that's where I was supposed to go. Well, when I struggled in double A, um, I had control issues. I felt great, but I just had control issues and the things weren't going on, going right. The, uh, the guys from Mazatlan, you know, called and, and told the minor league guys that, hey, we don't think he's ready. You know, we don't need him to come, you know, pitch for us this winter um, in winter ball. And and uh, so that that kind of that kind of took me back a little bit and made me kind of think, hey, you know, you're doing good, but you're not as good as you may think you are. You know, you need to get to work. And so, fortunately enough, um, 
they got me into the uh, winter league or their their instructional league there in West Palm Beach, and that's when I learned how to throw a slider, and that's what took me to the next level because I was just a fastball curveball changeup guy, and I learned a slider in instructional ball, and they got me my opportunity to go pitch in winter ball in Puerto Rico, and I went off in Puerto Rico. I mean, I, I had an unbelievable winter ball, and that's, of course, when I got Rule 5. But I, I did not know that I was even a prospect, really. I knew I was doing some good things, but I didn't realize I was a prospect or a Rule 5 candidate. No, I did not know that. So did the Royals likely see you in Puerto Rico? I mean, how did they? Because it was kind of a you know a coup for Herc Robinson and company to get you and pull you out of there. Everyone was kind of like, how'd they pull this guy? His numbers weren't, I mean, they were good, but they weren't that great. I mean, how how you know, how'd the Royals find you? Do you know? Well, I, I, I don't know. Um, gosh, I can't think of his name. Stewart. Art, scout. Yeah, Art um, Stewart, yep. Art Stewart, yeah, Art Stewart. He's the one that saw me. And, you know, the other day I was watching the parade on TV and, I saw Art Stewart come by, and I thought, man, what a what a great guy he is. And but anyway, I was, you know, I was in Puerto Rico, and I don't know. I mean, like I said, I mean, I I don't know if you have my numbers from Puerto Rico, but I remember them, and they were sick. No, I mean, what, it was what like, yeah, I mean, it was like at twenty eight. I I only gave up one earned run the whole winter. At twenty eight innings, one walk, like thirty six punch outs. I mean, Jeez. and I was facing big league guys. I mean, I was, I was, I was, I played with Juan Gonzalez, but I was facing like Bayerga and Villanueva, you know, guys like that. And, and I was, I was dominating them. And I think, I think that's what kind of, you know, on the radar, that's why they took me. Yeah. So what do you remember then about that day? It's December 7th, 1992. How'd you get the news you were going to the Royals? Where were you at? Who told you? And what was that moment like? Well, I, I came in I, after I after I closed out a game. I came in um, to the clubhouse, and I was just at my I was just at my uh, my locker, and you know, honestly, it's, it's kind of a it's kind of foggy right now. But I believe Art Stewart is the one that approached me and told me, and I don't remember. I, think Herc Robinson may have been there, hmm. but I, I just, for the life of me, I can't remember because when it was said to me, I was like, what's the rule five? I mean, <laughs> what, well, I mean, what is this? And they said, you're going to the big leagues with Kansas City Royals. And I was like, well, you know, it's almost like you're looking around for the, for the cameras going, okay, where's the joke? What's <laughs> going on here? You know, you, cause I never, I never only pitched a half season in double A. I'd never been above that. You know, so it was just one of those deals where at, at that time it was just a real big shock, and then the news kind of got out, and all the guys were congratulating me, and my my uh, Max Oliveris, you know, my manager, he was, you know, congratulating me, and so I went in and talked to Max, and I said, okay, explain this to me. He goes, you know, basically, you're going to be a big leaguer. He said, the way you're throwing right now, they love it, and... As long as you do it, as long as you keep doing what you're doing, he said, you're not only going to be there, you're going to be a very big part of their bullpen. I thought, well, heck, all right. At that time, I was beaming with confidence. I mean, I was, I had figured out my mechanics, you know, I'd, you know, just, I'd, I'd done some things that were, that were good for my confidence. What a, what a cool story. Did you know anything about the Kansas City Royals at, at that exact moment? Did you know anything? <laughs> well, I mean, I knew who the, I knew they were. I knew they were a professional organization, of course. Yeah, you know, but I mean, I didn't know. I didn't know anything. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know that Chris Haney was there. I, I didn't know anything. You know, I mean, I didn't. I didn't, you know, I, I was just. I did. I'll tell you this. I was so involved in what I was doing and where I was at, and trying to just do good where I was. I couldn't even have told you who was in Montreal. <laughs> I mean, I, I just wasn't concerned with it. I never, ever, ever thought that I'd pitch in the big leagues. I really didn't. Uh, really? No. I, did, I mean, I I was so green. I mean, I had no idea. That's probably. I was just probably good, having though. fun doing what I was doing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now you you have to make the Royals and stay on the roster the whole season, obviously. 
uh, or mm-hmm. be offered back. So 1993 spring training, you, you arrive for the first time with the Royals. What do you remember about that first spring training and what the Royals kind of tell you when you first got there? Well, nobody really told me anything. Yeah. You know, they just told me when to be there and, you know, what, to, you know, I got, I had all the stuff in my locker and I remember, I remember going in and I remember Mark Gubazov a couple of chairs down and, um, I was rooming with, um, oh, Dennis Rasmussen was mm-hmm. my roommate. Um, and when I, when I kind of got there, you know, Dennis took me under his wing and I know, I know why they did what they did now. I didn't at the time, but he was my mentor. He was supposed to help me cause he had been in the big leagues a long time and, and had a good career. And, and he was supposed to kind of bring me along, um, which was phenomenal what they did. I mean, that was just the, just perfect. And, um, you know, I mean, so I get there and Tom Gordon's next to me and Apier's down a little bit and, and you know, Gubazov's here and Montgomery's there and we're all kind of in the same area and I'm looking around, I'm just kind of getting dressed, nobody's saying anything to me, you know, and I'm, so we go out and all I can remember from that first workout is that the running was ridiculous. <laughs> I was in such bad shape. I didn't realize how bad shape I was, you know, and I just remember dying, you know, that first, you know, half hour of doing the, doing the, the workout. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I've got to do better. You know? So, um, I really, that's about all I remember from the first day, you know, it was nobody really said anything to me. You know I mean? It wasn't like, Hey, welcome to the Royals or it was, you know, I guess maybe they were just watching to see what I did and, and, you know, and uh, but it, I tell you what, it didn't it didn't take long to fit in. Yeah, a pretty easy bunch to hang out with. Oh now, gosh, yeah. Now the ba- so baseball city, the complex there. I guess by then it would be what six seven years in. Uh, you know, the amusement park was obviously closed by then. But what was that? You know, I always like to ask people for baseball city stories. What was that complex like there? You know, it was it was remote. You know, it was kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Um, you know, it, it, we stayed in actually Dennis and I, we had, you know, one of the apartments in Orlando, so we had to drive up there every day, but, you know, it was a remote area. There wasn't anything really around, um, you know, just the complex itself and the fields around and it was, you know, but it was nice. I mean, it was nice. It, I'll tell you this, I mean, compared to what I had come from <laughs> in, in the minor leagues, I mean, it was. It was plush to me. I mean, I'm a small town kid, small town baseball fields, you know, nothing, you know, the, 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 the parks that I, the good parks I pitched in were in college, but never had pitched in a big league stadium or even close to something that was a big league stadium. So it was very nice to me. You know, I mean, it was, it was special to me. And you'd obviously make that opening day roster. Uh, I'm sure that's a memorable day in your life. Did you remember how they told you that you'd made the roster for the first time? Well, you know, Hal McRae, um, Hal McRae is an unbelievable man. He is an unbelievable manager, but he's an unbelievable human. I mean, he's just a, he's, a, he's an awesome man. Um, but what he did was really kind of, I wouldn't have ever guessed it, but he handed all the pitchers a, he handed all the pitchers, the guys that were left in spring training, to narrow it down to a, a 12-man, you know, or whatever, you know, 12-man uh, roster for the pitchers or whatever it was. He handed everybody a roster, and he said, I want you guys to circle who you want on your pitching staff and then turn them back in to me. Hmm. There was like 20 guys left. And I don't know to this day if that's what he went off of but I know that when we filled out those, we probably had a couple weeks left, you know, whatever. But after we filled all those out, you know, it was Montgomery and Gubaza and Apier and, you know, Tommy Gordon and, you know, Rass and, and those guys that were like, hey, man, congratulations. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, if they go off anything on that, you're making it. Everybody here loves you. The guys here, they want you with them. 
and I, that made me feel good. Like I was, I was being sort of accepted. I knew what my role was. I knew I was a rookie, and but it, it was good that you know that was something. And I don't know if that played any any part of it. I have no idea, and I'm sure that you know Hal McRae and Herc and those guys they're they're the brass. They're the what's going to make the decision. But it felt good to know that I was being accepted at that point. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, but uh, but that but that was that was you know probably about the about the time that I, I felt like that hey maybe I'm kind of fitting in a little bit. So before we get to that first year in KC, then so remind our listeners then you know what pitches you threw, where did you sit, top out at, and all that good stuff. You know I was um, I threw a fastball, curveball, slider, and changeup. You know I topped out. At 94, but I usually pitched right around 90 to 92 is where I where I pitched. You know, so that's where I sat. Um, and I was I wasn't overpowering by any stretch, but you know, decent control and you know, a good slider, which helped out a bunch. Had 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 some pretty good stuff. And your first big league appearance comes against Boston, April eighth, nineteen ninety three. You threw a scoreless inning on just eight pitches, one hit in those eight pitches to get out of that inning. I mean, that first day, first outing in the big leagues. What sticks out about that? Well, I just remember when they called down. I mean, that was the, that was opening day. You know, we were getting we were getting beat, and I just remember when they called down and got me up that it. It never took me a long time to warm up, but I remember I threw three pitches in the bullpen. Then I told, you know, Buster Keaton, I said, I'm ready. He goes, what? And I said, oh, yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> he goes, oh, you got a lot of adrenaline going, don't you, kid? And I'm like, yeah, I'm ready to go. And he goes, okay, you'll probably have the next inning. Just take your time. You're good. And then so I had the, the next inning, and I remember when they opened up the gates for me to run out, and – I didn't. I didn't ever think I was going to get to the mound. <laughs> I mean, I, I did not think that I was ever going to get there. And you know, finally got there, and I was completely out of breath. I'd hyperventilated because I was so nervous. And so I get out there, and you know, first batter I face, I, you know, you're going to want to get ahead, and I throw a fastball, and he, he, the hitter, I, I think his last name was Calderon. I think that's who it was that I faced. He got a hit between third and short in the six hole. So I'm going, man, here we go, you know. And then I got to face Andre Dawson, popped him up. But I got out of the inning, which unscathed, which was good. You know, nothing impressive, nothing just phenomenal. I just got my first inning out of the way. And I remember going into the dugout, and we were getting beat. And and I was, I had to be careful because we were getting beat. And I know it's not about individual performance it's about team at that level but at that time I was so happy that that had happened but I was sitting on the on the uh the top step of the the bench there and my whole body was just shaking because I guess coming down off the adrenaline rush or whatever but it was it was it was just such a great experience I mean I wish every kid that played baseball could experience that one time because it, it was just, it's just phenomenal. And I just, it's just such a rush. Yeah. and you're, So here's a question I'm wondering if you know. So most pitchers can remember this because it happens in their first outing or two, but your first big league strike got's not until your fourth appearance at Cleveland, May 12th of 93. I have the answer in front of me. Do you remember the hitter you struck out for your first big league strikeout? No, I don't. Really? Wow. I don't. I really, I really don't. I didn't even know. I couldn't even have told you that that was my first strikeout, my fourth appearance. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was uh, Carlos Martinez was the hitter. Oh, that's a good hitter to strike out. Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> now I can remember that. That's I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I contributed something. There we go. Uh, that's awesome. So that's ni- awesome. Nineteen ninety three. Then you allowed. You were like number one in the, in the majors. Only four out of thirty nine inherited runners scored. So that was ten point three percent. You know what enabled you to be so successful coming in with you know messes all over the place? You just focus on the hitter and not worry about the other stuff, or how you know what, how how are you able to do that? Well, um, I think it's more of you know knowing what your job is and knowing the situation and what you have to do not to let that guy score. And I took I took a lot more pride in not letting. 
somebody else's run score than worrying about my own. You know, I mean, because I knew that it directly reflected their stats and their numbers, and and I worked really hard at not letting it happen. And you know, so I mean, you know, my job as in my position at that time, my job was not to let runners score and to get left-handers out. I mean, that's what they wanted me to do. And so that's just what I really focused on hard. You know, I really tried to focus on on, on, on those two things and was pretty successful at it. And then you get in 46 games that first year, 3.46 ERA. You didn't allow an earned run your first eight appearances as well. And then so the next year, so 1994, you kind of become – you know, one of two top setup guys for Monty. Uh, team leading, 12 holds you had in 94. You had the 2.56 ERA. You were third in the league with 50 appearances. Uh, and you had a couple of awesome stretches. So, first of all, going back to 94, you allow the home run opening day to Rafael Palmero, but then uh, no runs your next 18 innings, 15 appearances after that. And then you had another one of those where you didn't give up a single uh, hit during the month of July. Uh, so, you know, there's a couple different great stretches there in 94. I mean, how much fun was that, before we talk about the team's success that year, how much fun was it for you individually getting in there and being on, you know, that often in 94 there, getting that many appearances? You know, it was, was – I give the credit I give the credit to Hal. Hal showed the confidence in me. You know, he could have, after the first appearance, he could have buried me. He could have sat me in the bullpen. He could have lost confidence. But he ran me back out there. And when he ran me back out there the next game, I knew right then that I was going to be a big part of the, of the, of the team. I knew I was going to be, be a big part of the, of the bullpen. And so I just locked it in. And when you have competition like we had between, you know, myself, Rusty Meacham, Jeff Montgomery, when, when you have that kind of competition of who's going to be the best, and it's fun – competition it's not everybody's rooting for each other when you have that camaraderie it makes it a lot easier too i mean i was behind those guys just as much as they were behind me and it made that year a lot of fun in that bullpen i mean because everybody was doing their job so you know it, it was it was a a few good stretches it really was um but it was it was it was a good year that was by far my best year in the big leagues by far and as a team i mean you know, besides 2003 and then the last few years, one of the last really fun summers we'd had here. So you guys, I thought, were heading towards the playoffs. You were sitting at 64 and 51. You had a 14-game winning streak like five days before the strike happened. I mean, do you share the same sentiment as I do? Do you agree that you guys would have been a playoff team without the strike that year? There's no doubt. And, and I truly believe that we'd have had a really good shot at winning the World Series. We had – our team was a lot like the team – the, the Royals have had the last couple of years. We were a team. We had a great manager. We had a manager that trusted the trusted our trusted the team. He trusted the players. Um, great pitching coach, great staff. But our players, we were such a unit. I mean, it was such a good unit. I mean, it was like everybody got along. Everybody did things together. We we weren't we weren't apart. We, you know, we didn't have clicks. We were. Everybody rooted for each other. There wasn't any selfishness. It was just one of those teams that you just, I mean, you just love to be on. And and I agree, hundred percent. I mean, there's there's no doubt we're making the playoffs. I mean, we were hot, and we we were going to make the playoffs. But I believe, and with all my heart to this day, that I believe we would have gotten there. And that that was funny too. What the Expos? That was their last. Weren't they like a hundred wins at that point, or something ridiculous like that? Yeah. Right. So you've got to feel bad for those guys, too. Uh, no kidding. So how frustrating was that strike then for you? What do you remember about when you guys went on strike, and what was that like? Well, you know, me being you know, only my second year, you know, I had to I had to kind of go with the flow. You know, I had to, I had to trust, you know, Montgomery, and I had to trust Gubazan. I had to trust, you know, what what those guys were saying, and you know, you, you you had to listen, and you and you had to be united. And and as much as it hurt, and as much as I know it hurt the Royals organization, not just my career, because it did it did impact my career. Because I mean, I was talking about signing a multi year contract, moving to Kansas City, being a part of the community. I mean, I was going to be a Royals for 
you know, three or four more years based on the contract that I was going to sign, you know, up and through, up through my free agency. Um, but the team, you know, when, when that team broke apart and, and, you know, we lost Hal as the manager and some things happened. I mean, I'm telling you that, that crushed me. I mean, that, that crushed me and a lot of other players, you know, mentally or, you know, you know, gut-wrenching hurt, you know, we're, man, we were so close and now we're basically we're starting over. And so it was, it was, it was tough, man. And, and I know it was tough for that community. That community is, you know, blue collar and, and they work hard and, and we felt that when we came back, you know, when I walk on the field and I get booed, that hurt because the fans really felt it. And it was a tough deal. Yeah. But, you know, if, it's a business too, and on that on that end of that business side of it, you know, you you have to stick together as a unit, and that's that's what the the major league players did. Now, how about uh, you know a, a lot of Royals fans? You mentioned the tough times, and it was, and a lot of Royals fans to this day still get upset talking about this. But you know, they trade David Cohn for Chris Steins. Cohn had won the Cy Young in '94. You know, what was it like being his teammate and seeing him pitch that year? talking about being on fire that guy could flat out pitch and what a great guy i mean you know i mean he's he he is a true teammate too i mean he was just one of those guys and that's what made that whole team click everybody was just a good teammate everybody took care of each other but watching him pitch that year was i mean you know you knew when he took the mound you were probably going to get a day off a very good chance you were going to get it out. It's kind of like Apier. When Apier took the mound, you just kind of knew, hey, you make it just sit back here and relax. You know, you can be ready, but you probably especially could tell after the first two or three innings, oh, my gosh, they're on fire. This team doesn't have a chance. So it was fun watching that go on. You know, it was real fun. And um, he was just he, – he, he was a joy to be around. You know, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of go backwards a little bit you know, I never, I, we didn't talk about George Brett at all, but, you know, George Brett's final year was my rookie year. Oh, yeah, that's true. And, and, and I didn't, of course, other guys played with George a long time, and, and George never called me by my name until I got Ken Griffey out in a big situation. He, he called me Rudy forever. <laughs> and, and finally, I got Griffey out in a big situation, and I come off the field, and he goes, hey, good job, bro, and turn, I walked off, and I was like, Okay, well, maybe he knows my name now, you know. It's kind of, you know, kind of a deal like that. But I think what fired us up a lot going into 94 was that last game when him and Nolan Ryan took the lineup card out, the last game of Arlington Stadium there um, in 93. I think guys knew we were fixing to go into a different type of a, a, a season, the following season without George. And I think a lot of those guys wanted to do it for him, too. They, they, they wanted to pick him up because he meant so much to the organization. And, you know, it's just the, the piece of the puzzle were there in 94 that, you know, we didn't necessarily have my rookie year. We had a few other pieces in 94. And then on top of that, like you said, you got David Cohn. He went to Cy Young. I mean, incredible. Yeah, what a fun team. Tom Gordon and Gubiza and – you know, mm-hmm. all these different guys. Malaki, I remember all these guys that made an appearance that year. It was a fun yep. fun, fun staff to watch. So uh, so spring training, 95, you come back after the strike finally ends. Kind of a hurried spring, a weird spring. The end of the strike, getting ready for the season, you kind of touched on it a little bit with getting booed once. But in general, what do you remember about how the fans were and what the, what it was like coming back to baseball in 95? It was tough, you know, to come back. You know, it wasn't it wasn't bad in spring training, but opening day, you know, we're going out to take BP, and you know, there's a lot of people there. And there's a lot of people with, you know, negativity towards baseball players in general. You know, a lot of negativity towards, you know, big money and and different things. And I really can't say that I blame the fans. They were hurt, and and like I said, a lot of us were hurt. But it's just like anything, you know, you have to separate that business and friendship. And as much as we love the fans in KC, as much as, you know, we adore the fans in KC and how great those fans are, you know, everybody talks about, 
how great the New York fans are. Well, I played in New York. I played in Philly, okay? There's no better fans than in Kansas City. Really? I mean, I'm, I'm no, no kidding. They're, they may get upset at you, but if you're doing bad, they may get upset, but they're not going to hold hard feelings. They're going to realize that you're human. They're going to realize that you're, you know, you're going to make mistakes, and they're going to realize that you're going to be better next time, and they'll cheer you on. They're great fans. So I, I, I remember them being upset, but, you know, after a couple of games, a couple of days, you know, it kind of blew over, and they kind of started getting behind us and things of that nature. Do you remember, you know, I won't name any names, but there was, there was three, four, five, six guys that kind of played or replacement players that were allowed to play in 95. You always see, like, read the books. Like, you read, like, Rick Reed was mistreated and all these different guys got mistreated at different times. Did you feel like there was any of that in your clubhouse? I mean, was it different for those guys, or did you kind of accept them and just say, hey, you did what you had to do, we respect that? Um, they were treated differently, but they weren't mistreated. Okay, fair I enough. I mean, like... I'm going out to eat with Tony or Gubazar or Montgomery. They're not going to be invited. It's not that it's not that they're going to ask to go and we say no. They're just not going to be invited. Or, you know, you're not going to go out of your way to to speak to those guys. Um, if they spoke to you, you spoke back. You know, we were never mean or, you know, we, we didn't, you know, nobody – didn't, nothing ever came of any kind of altercation, or I mean, we wanted them to do good because they were on the roster, but it, it wasn't a deal where we were nasty to anybody, and so that got that kind of got blown out of proportion a little bit, you know. And, and it was unfortunate. I don't think that anybody should. Have, I mean, I live, I live twenty minutes away from Craig McMurtry. And he's the coach at Temple Junior College here, right down the road from me. Okay, and he was—he—he he crossed. All right, I've talked to him about that on a couple of occasions. He looks back and tells me that he wished he never had done it. And I think at the time it sounded great for those guys, but I think if they could do it over, they wouldn't do it. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um... So you get in 48 games then in 95. You guys were 70 and 74, second place. You were actually with them, what, like a half game or a game of the wild card with about three weeks to go, and then you kind of went into a stumble there at the end of that year. But, you know, memories of that 95 season. Well, for me personally, it was a very tough season. Um, started out great. You know, I was just kind of picking up where I left off. Um, and... Um, like I said, I mean, you have different managers, and you have the way you have managers manage, and they manage players, and they do different things. And um, and I'm not going to sit here and rip Bob Boone by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but there was a difference in the clubhouse and a difference in the feel of the team. <clears throat> and I think that played a lot into the – the, the fall back instead of the push forward. And um, it was a situation to where I had one bad outing and I got buried. I let it affect me personally. I lost confidence. Um, and I can tell you right now, as a major league player, former major league player, whatever it is, it's hard enough to pitch at the big league level when you're completely healthy when you're completely full of confidence, much less when you're not completely healthy or you have a lack of confidence. I mean, it's, it's, it's very tough. And the mind is a, is a brutal mechanism that we let sometimes get in our way, and I let it get in my way. Um, you know, and it was my own fault. I let somebody else dictate what I did with my head. And so it ended up being a subpar year for me, you know, when I, when I finished – which probably is, you know, one of the reasons why he didn't want me around. Yeah. Now, before we talk about that trade then, so the city the city itself, you know, where did you live when you were here? What were your favorite parts about Kansas City, you know, as a city? Um, first couple of years I lived in Overland Park, 
Um, very nice area, very nice city. Um, in 93, 94, that's where I lived. Um, and then uh, in 95, I lived in Blue Springs, ended up renting a house in Blue Springs. Um, and the only reason I rented a house that year instead of going back is because we ended up getting a dog, and so the dog had to come with us, and so apartments don't really like dogs. We just ended up getting a little house <laughs> there in Blue Springs, and so I lived there. And, you know, I just – the one thing I remember about the area is, number one, it's really easy to get around in, <laughs> you know. It's, it's it's not it's bigger than Waco, but it's a lot like Waco. You know, it's it's it's, it's easy to get around in, and it's uh, but everybody anywhere you went, everybody was friendly. You know, everybody was friendly. So, um, just a didn't matter. You know, like I said, Overland Park, Blue Springs, everybody was just friendly. Did you have a a favorite barbecue restaurant of all of them? No, I don't know if I had any. I don't know if I had any bad barbecue ever yeah. <laughs> in Kansas City. You know, I don't know if I had any 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 bad stuff. Yeah, that's a good answer. Um, it's just I don't know. One of my one of my favorite places to go was Reds. You know, that was a little pub. Um, that was probably the first the first place I ever went into. Uh, Brian McRae and Jeff Montgomery took me in there, and we ended up seeing Joe Montana in there and <laughs> um, talking to him a little bit and. And uh, but Brian, I guess Brian knew Red real real well. So, but that that was, you know, just normal stuff, man. It's just all around, all around good place, good places to eat and good places to have fun there. So, following '95, then it's funny because December seventh, and, and now that I see it, I think it was the same day they rule fived you too. But December seventh of '95, you're traded to the Dodgers. Ended up being a great move for the Royals. Obviously, Jose Offerman had some great years when he was yeah. here. Uh, you know, but take us back to that moment when you first got traded. How'd you get that news? And I'm assuming you were probably crushed. Were you surprised? What was that like? I wasn't surprised. Um, you know, I mean, I'd never heard of any trades or anything happening, but when my agent, Barry Meister, called me, you know, he said, you know, um, they traded you to the Dodgers for Jose Offerman, and he said it's going to be a good move for you. And I said, yeah. I said, I said, as much as I hate to leave Kansas City, and I love Kansas City, I said, there's no way I can pitch for – for Boone, and he just doesn't have any confidence in me, and I need to get somewhere where I can get back on top and get back going again, and and uh, you know just kind of re- rejuvenate my career a little bit. And it was interesting because you never actually pitched for the Dodgers at the big league level. So '96, you're at AAA Albuquerque, and then they trade you to the Yankees. You wear pinstripes June 22nd. So I'm assuming at that point, another fresh start, another good thing for you to get there where somebody believed in you. Well, you know, it was kind of it was kind of frustrating because you know I was in AAA. Um, and with with the Dodgers, and I was closing for them. I was doing real well. Um, I was having a really good, really good season, you know, with 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 Albuquerque, and I was just kind of, I don't know. I guess I was just kind of behind the eight ball. They had a, a few left-handers in in front of me, and they were, you know, a couple of organizational guys, and one was, um. Rudinsky that came from the from the White Sox and so I was kind of behind and so they ended up trading me to to the Yankees and you know I went right to the big leagues with them after not being in the big leagues the whole year. Yeah. So they got they got rid of Steve Howe and I came in and, and uh, got a win the, the very first day I got there I got a win for them and but it was like a roller coaster there you know it was it's well, I tell you what the, that's a, that's a that's a hard, hard organization to, to figure out and a hard, hard organization to, to, to play for if you're not one of their boys, you know. Um, it's just kind of tough. It's just kind of tough. It's, it's really big city baseball. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, so you got in four games there with the Yankees. Mm-hmm. So then prior to spring training in 97, you sign with the Reds, but then get released during spring training. So then you go to Oakland, and you pitched at uh, the big league level there for a few games in Oakland. So, you know, memories of the Reds in Oakland, that, that situation in that year. i tell you what, I was on a merry-go-round, it seemed like. I was just, yeah. you know, I felt like I was on that horse, man. I was, just, <laughs> I was just up and down and up and down. And i tell you what happened with the Reds is, you know, I went to the – I signed with the Reds, and I came in. I, I was going to be – Jeff Brantley was over there, and I was going to be a setup man for Brantley. And I went to the Reds, and I, I kid you not, I could not find my fastball. 
I mean, I worked out real hard in the in the in the off season to get ready, and I went in and, and I could not find my velocity for some reason, and I don't know why. It was just one of those deals where I got there and instead of throwing my normal, you know, low nineties, I was throwing mid eighties, and I couldn't figure it out. I mean, mechanically I looked fine, uh, I felt fine, I just didn't have any arm speed for some reason, and um, and so that's kind of why it they let me go is because they weren't the guy that and they told me they you're you're not the guy right now we thought you were and I said hey I'm not the guy that I thought I was either right now I said I'm gonna find it and I said you're making a mistake but I'm gonna find it you know um, you know then I went I went to Oakland and um, Oakland was a difficult situation because I finally figured out why I had that's when I started having some elbow problems. That's why I didn't have the arm speed and then ended up pinching a nerve in my elbow when I was in Oakland. Um, they put me through some tests and never took an MRI, never did anything medically, but they put me through a few tests and and ended up later finding out it was a bone spur or bone chip that had gotten lodged in between my ulnar nerve. Ugh. But it, it finally moved and I... I was in Edmonton on a rehab assignment, and I faced seven hitters, and I struck out all seven hitters I faced, and I was throwing 93-94. Well, they called me into the office, and Art Howe's in there, not Art Howe, um, Billy Bean's in there, our manager's in there, I can't remember what, who he was, because my time was very short there, I can't remember who he was, but I'm thinking they're going to send me back to, I'm, I'm fixing to go back to Oakland. Well, I go in there and sit down, and He's like, uh, we're going to option you to uh, AAA, and we're going to take you off the 40 man roster. We're going to add somebody else and bring them up. <laughs> and I'm not going to go into a long spiel, but I'll just tell you that I wasn't very happy. And <laughs> I said a few choice words that that I probably shouldn't have to a general manager of an organization. But so I, I accepted my release, and then I flew home, and then that's when I signed with the Phillies. Yeah, that's. Well, May twenty seventh of ninety seven. A couple of years there with Philly, you did get in fifty two games uh, between ninety seven and ninety nine. What are your favorite memories of pitching for the Phillies? Um, well, you know, favorite memories are because Terry Francona is a great manager too. Enjoyed enjoyed the heck out of him. Um, you know, I was just you know, unfortunately, my arm was just giving out. It, it was just you know, I don't know if it was because of. You know, you know, when you injure it, it's just hard to come back and maintain. I don't know. You know, I had Tommy John in 98, missed a whole year there. Um, you know, pitched basically half a year for him in 97 and a half a year for him in 99 after my rehab was over. Um, you know, it was just – Philly's a great town. They're, they're a great city too. Um, but they are northeastern people and, you know – they're a little bit more harsh, and that didn't really bother me. And I didn't do terrible there. You know, I pitched okay there, but and it was just one of those deals where it was just I was going. You know, unfortunately, it just wasn't happening the way it had happened early in my career. And I don't know if it was just the fact that mom was just getting tired, wearing out. What was what was the deal? I just didn't have the stuff that I had before. Um, and the velocity was still decent; it was still right around ninety, ninety-one. But you know, it wasn't the sharpness and the crispness and you know i mean every time out like it was before i mean i'd have spurts but i wouldn't have that extended you know seven eight nine times in a row where i'd go out there and dominate it was you know two or three times then i'd have a couple of rough outings and then i'd get some rest and then i would go out there and i'd pitch better so and i think that's what you know what their concern was you know at the end so but it was it was a good place to pitch it was fun Played played around a lot of great players there too. Yeah, oh, Kirk yeah. Schilling. You know, Lenny Doctor was hurt, but played around him. You know, Greg Jeffries, Rico Bronya. You know, a lot of guys there that I played with. There were great guys too. A lot of great names there. Yeah, wow. And then year two thousand, you give it one more go. Uh, nine games for Rochester for Baltimore at AAA, and then you finally hung them up. I mean, did injury and it, was it just time at that point? Did you walk away with with peace in your heart? Were you angry? You know, what was it like walking away? Well, I mean, I was angry, but I was I was angry at my body. You know, I mean, I tore my labrum in Rochester. I didn't tell anybody about it. 
you know, um, I, I didn't even, I, mean, I went and saw a, a, a different doctor. Uh, I didn't even go see the team doctor. I didn't want anybody to know, you know, um, and it was, it was a slight tear, but it was a tear and it was, it was affecting me. Um, and then I can't remember what the, the manager was Foley. And I can't remember what his first name was. Tim Foley? Was the manager. Huh? Tim Foley, maybe. You know, I can't. Is there was there like a Marv or a? Yeah, there I was a there was a Marv Foley. Actually, you're right about that. Whoever the manager was for AAA was Foley, and you know, he was just. I think he just generally hated pitchers anyway. <laughs> it was just one of those deals where he didn't like anybody, you know. And and you know, and and I remember the last the last batter I faced, um, was uh, oh gosh. We were we were actually facing the Phillies, and it was a left-handed batter, and his name starts with a Z, and I can't think of his name. Goodness gracious! But anyway, you know, I, I didn't have a fastball. I mean, I was I was done, so I threw him a three-two slider and walked him, and he came out to get the ball from me, and he ripped it out of my hand and said, "Get off my mound!" And <laughs> so I I go over to the to the dugout, and I'm sitting on the far end of the dugout, and. I'm 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 so angry that you know it's just when you when you when you see that it's coming to an end and, and you can't there's there's just not an end in sight you know or the, the end is in sight and, and it's just not real good I was just so angry and then he comes in off the off the, the field and you know he's just basically ripping me from one end to the other and I had about all as much as I could and I went after him really and the player stopped me and we had some words and so. I left that day. He didn't call me in the office. I left, and I came back the next day, and he called me in the office and just started ripping me one into the other. And I said, you know what? I'm done, man. I said, I don't need to sit here and take this from you. I said, I'm done. He goes, what? And I said, I don't need to take your BS in AAA Rochester. I said, I really don't. I said, I'm just, I'm hurt. You don't even know I'm hurt. He said, well, we can fix it. And I said, I don't want to play for you. I'm done. <laughs> I said, "Get me out of here! I want to go home." And so I went home, you know. And and uh, and, and to this day, I know that I retired too soon. I mean, I was left-handed and I could breathe. I mean, I should have <laughs> yeah. kept trying, you know. And um, I I went to uh, I was on my way home, driving home, and my agent called me and said, "Hey, look, I want you to stop in Oklahoma City. The Rangers know you're hurt. They want to fix you. They want to give you one more shot." And I didn't do it. And I just I just hung them up, and that's the regret that I have of not letting them, you know, go in and take a look at it because they have great doctors in Texas. I mean, great doctors, and they could have probably you know done some kind of scope surgery or or something like that. I I was just hard headed at that time, so well, just shut it down. You've been through a lot too. I mean, you bounce around that much. I'm sure it takes a toll on you mentally, right? It does. You know, it really does. And and you know, you hear about these guys that play for. 14, 15 different organizations, and just like, man, they got some stick-to-itiveness for sure. And, you know, like I said, I mean, I guess it's true about left-handed for mental midgets, and <laughs> I'm just one of those long list of uh, mental midgets, I guess. <laughs> so, God, you're killing me here. Uh, so last few questions for you. Let's go back to your KC days here. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, when I mentioned Kansas City Royals, Kansas City right now, you know, what memories? Is there just more memories? Are they just streaming to you right now? What are you thinking about when I say that? You know, like I said, I mean, it's it's just a the greatest years I had playing baseball were in Kansas City. I mean, there's no doubt. First big league club, best, best baseball players and, and buddies that you could hang around. Um, you know, still being able to talk to some of those guys is great. Um, you know, fans were tremendous. They were tremendous. Um, just a great city. It's just all around great experience for me. And, you know, you're right. I need to get a kid to go play for the Royals, and then he could he could say the same things to you. I mean, it's just one of those deals where, you know, a leopard doesn't change your spots. And Kansas City's just They've been the same. They'll stay the same. It's a great place to live. Great place to 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 experience and, and play. And and anybody ever asked me about my greatest experience in baseball, and I always tell them it's the first run out to the mound I ever had. I mean, because 
crowd's going crazy. They're cheering for me and the whole hyperventilating and stuff. It's just, it's just awesome. You know, that stuff right there, you just can't ever, you can't take that away from me. No, no way. Now you mentioned who are some of your uh, former Royal teammates that you still stay in touch with today? Well, like I said, I mean, um, I've, I've talked, I talked to Brian, you know, regularly, um, you know, Stan Belinda was there in 94, I've spoken to him a couple of times. Um, Ricky Metallica actually pitched for you guys. Yeah. Um, a little bit. And I played with him in Philly, so I've talked to him a little bit. So there's a few. I mean, I've, I've lost contact with, with Monty and I've lost a little contact with, with Gubaza. Um, and those guys were special to me and they were great to me. And, and I'll always consider them really good friends, even though, you know, we've lost contact. But, you know, I'm sure I could pick up the phone right now and call them and, They'd be just as happy to hear from me as I'd be happy to talk to them. Yeah. And then uh, I guess last thing is, in summary, what would you like to say uh, to Royals fans listening right now? Well, i tell you what. I appreciate, you know, your confidence in me um, coming out of the bullpen for the Royals for those three years. I appreciate your loyalty. Um, I appreciate the cheers. Some of the boos that kind of got me going, which is okay. <laughs> um, but congratulations to the Royals you have now. And you've got a great team for a few years to come. Cherish those guys. You see how long it took to get back there. Keep supporting those guys. That's that's a great team. And and, and good luck and go Royals. It's fun reliving old memories. And um, you know, anytime you ever need anything, just holler at me. And uh, like this is my cell phone, so just text me here. Sounds good. Stay in touch, and uh, and hopefully we'll see you back here before too much longer. You got to come back and check out uh, check out the K the way it is now, and maybe see a World Series games one of these years. That would be fun. I'll stay in touch with Dave.